Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Monday. Coming to you live from our studio here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. Inside the studio today with Ryan Lavoy. Tom Peavy set to join us here in just a little bit as we will be able to uh, discuss everything that took place in the wide world of sports over the weekend. Just so much to recap and get after. I had a terrific weekend, a lot of fun with the Auburn softball team, a big series win over Georgia. The baseball team defeated Tennessee for just the second time in SEC play this year. A good weekend in the NFL draft, of course, came and went this past weekend. Ryan, how are you? Uh, Doing well, JJ. And uh, yeah, there was a... A lot going on, and that's great to continually say. Um, you know, we know that football season is obviously huge for everybody, but uh, sports continue on. And, and this spring, there's been a lot of stuff, and obviously, football was returning as a part of it this past weekend with the NFL draft. Only one Auburn Tiger gets selected, and that was Roger McCreary, early second round. A little surprised by that. I think we figured that Zacoby McLean and and Spoke Monday would probably get drafted at some point. Those would be the other two. Um, but they, they were not selected. And so Auburn was just one player. Uh, not, a, not a great uh, NFL draft for Auburn. But uh, life goes on. And Auburn goes on trying to, to build their program back up. And, you know, as far as the rest of the weekend, I, I thought it was a really big series win for softball. They were not able to complete the sweep, but they – got the series victory which would be looked upon favorably in their chances of, of trying to host they're much closer to the finish line than auburn baseball is softball's only got three conference games left baseball has nine but baseball by winning one out of three did something every bit as significant if not even more so because they were just the second team to beat tennessee in sec play and yeah. so with nine games left there's more work to do more things to iron out for auburn baseball but as of right now i feel they're becoming in a good position of trying to host a regional so i think it was very important weekend for the batted ball sports and a, and a successful weekend overall and so I'm sure we'll talk more about that and, and a lot of things. We watched the race in the office today. Yeah, we had some Monday NASCAR yeah. today. Yeah, we uh, our, our guy Chase won it. And so, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, still a good sports weekend. NBA playoffs started up with uh, with round two. And uh, an NHL playoff start today. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's booming. Business everything, booming right Everything now. you could want, that's for certain. 334-887-3401 to be a part of our program. As all of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line, Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, if you would like to be a part of the show, give us a call there and we'll discuss anything going on in the wide world of sports here with you 
At 4.15 today, our buddy Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers will be a part of the show. Best and worst of the weekend in the nightly TV guide as well. Only Roger McCreary drafted for Auburn. What'd you make of that? Yeah, I, I still think it's a little bit surprising. Um, you know, I know that undrafted free agents are looked at uh, and sometimes just as lucrative as, or if not more lucrative than the seventh round picks. So once you get to that seventh round, some teams intentionally kind of let guys fall off completely off the board to try and have a shot at them and and the undrafted free agency and you see a lot of guys go to camp off of that i mean each team signs 10 15 guys that way so so honestly they sign as many undrafted or more undrafted as they actually draft um but but nevertheless you know i i thought that zacoby and smoke would be fifth sixth round guys and you know they weren't right We, we you can assess um, some of the characteristics about them that might not translate to the NFL. You know, Smoke Monday was not very good in coverage. Uh, as a safety, he was a hard hitter, but still a little undersized. Jacoby McLean for his linebacking position, still a little undersized. And so that, that sort of stuff does matter a lot to the league and measurables. Uh, production does not always matter. We, we obviously talked a lot about one of our former co-hosts, Deshaun Davis, and how productive he was in college but because he was a little slower and a little smaller you know someone that had pretty equal production to him and the sec was devin white devin white goes in the top five of the nfl draft and deshaun goes what in the sixth round fifth round so you know that kind of thing that's where the measurables and stuff come in now you have if you have a great work ethic and a great uh, football IQ, then over time you can get around that and you can develop and, and work your butt off and, and and make these rosters and hopefully make your way up the depth chart. But just the reality is that those guys, and speaking of really all the Auburn guys not drafted, you know that they did some nice things in college. But there's a lot of quality college football players that never really get a real chance in the NFL. So as undrafted guys, they, they've got a lot of work to do. They can do it. They put in great work at Auburn, but. Uh, yeah, definitely disappointing for Auburn's program to only have one guy uh, drafted, and, and Roger wasn't nearly a first-round pick. So, I mean, that's a quality guy, and I think he'll last in the league for a while. But, uh, yeah, and obviously, if you're from the Auburn point of view, you can't be too pleased with what you saw over the weekend. But, again, it's not the end of the world. End of the world. I know a lot of people uh, will pin a lot of that on Gus Malzahn and the changing systems. Uh, and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, the reality is Auburn's still got to focus um, on winning college football games before they start sending seven, eight players to the league. So still a lot to work on development-wise. It's not just about the NFL. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's something unfortunate, but you got to move on and, and keep developing and keep working. Give me the opportunity to make a quick correction. You were right. I was wrong. Our buddy Deshaun Davis, sixth round, just a couple of picks into the sixth round. I was trying to hype him up a little bit, and we'll continue in forever uh, to hype up that guy who's uh, doing incredibly well. Got a chance to catch up with him a little bit over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to get him back here on the show sometime soon next time he's in town and visiting with us. Uh, we uh, mentioned six guys for the Auburn Tigers were able to sign undrafted free agent deals. Zacoby McClain and Brodarius Ham with the Ravens. Chandler Wooten with the Cardinals. Smoke Monday with the Saints. Demetrius Robertson with the Seahawks. T.D. Moultrie with the Steelers. Uh, big deal for Smoke Monday to be able to kind of pick where he wants to go. Uh, decided to sign an undrafted deal with the New Orleans Saints. But as we focus a lot on the NFC South, our coverage 
coverage, of course, with the Atlanta Falcons. You're a Bucks guy. I'm a Panthers guy. Big noteworthy story in the National Football League today. One of the most significant free agents still out there, Tyron Matthew, the former LSU Tiger. He announced, uh, and he and the Saints are going to uh, partner up, and he's signing with with Houdat Nation. Yeah, and uh, that's someone that still a lot of teams wanted. And I think he's going to turn 30 before the next NFL season. So, in theory, he could still have a lot of good years left. I know Matthew's a guy, um, speaking of the conversation we just had, that measurable-wise was maybe not as desirable of a safety because he's a little little smaller and not necessarily blazing speed for his size. Uh, But he's heady. And he's smart, and he works hard, and he's been a, a hell of an NFL player. And so uh, the, the, he, in a way, I, I get that he was still drafted pretty high, and I get that his credentials were still very high. But, again, it's not like he's a freak of nature as an athlete or with his measurables. And so he worked his butt off and used his instincts to become a, a great player. And I do want to make one more quick point about the undrafted guys. You mentioned it, J.J., that I would I would assume for some guys now now it, the opinion could differ because you still want to get drafted you want to be say I was an NFL draft pick but for some guys the value in being undrafted and getting to go where you want to go versus having someone pick you with a still a pretty bad contract in the, in the seventh round it's going to be a, a league minimum essentially right you know there is some there's some value in getting I get to, to say, pick I where pick. i yeah. go so because either way i mean a seventh round pick too is not guaranteed to make the roster either um it, it's a better chance just by numbers than an undrafted guy because there's so many undrafted free agents but we could go back to deshaun right yeah. here a sixth round guy right. played so well i mean really good football for Cincinnati in the preseason yeah, and there, was cut before the year even there, started. There is no guarantee as a seventh-round pick that you make the NFL roster. So the value in getting to pick your situation and, and pick the depth chart to try and climb up might might really overweigh being drafted in that sense. Let's get our first phone call of today's show. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 888 9 to be a part of the program. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt has called into the show today. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hey, JJ. Hey, Ryan. Good to What's hear up, from man? you, buddy. Hey, when you were saying, like, uh, like uh, football players, Auburn football are working their best off, well, I'm working my butt off, like, uh, cutting grass, and I got, like, a swimmy coming up, and uh, uh, this actually this Friday in Opelika, you guys are welcome to kind of watching swim if you guys know where Opelika sports complexes yeah no that's super exciting matt i will uh, unfortunately be with auburn softball we got those responsibilities ryan's a part of our broadcast crew on sunday as well because auburn softball takes on tennessee so we're not going to be able to be there but we certainly hope that you perform really well and next week i can't wait to hear how it goes it's not it's not it's this, it's this week coming up it's friday right i know and we're not going to be in town we've got a broadcast who's, who's auburn playing the tennessee volunteers Oh, the team that got, team got uh, like lucky and cheated against us, our baseball team? But it's the softball game coming up. Yeah, but Tennessee got lucky and cheated against, in baseball. Yeah, they, they're the number one team in the country. I don't want to go for the cheating thing. I don't think that's always what's happened when you lose a game. Sometimes the better team just wins and you have tough days. So tell me something what? else on your mind. Well, uh, well, I got like a couple of questions for you guys. What do you guys think about the player that we got from Morehead State for basketball? And what do you guys know about him? 
Yeah. yeah. Janai Broom, uh, he is a talented big guy. He scores, rebounds, and blocks shots well. I mean, he's somebody that is a pretty com- complete post player. He should be able to help Auburn multiple ways down low, and I, I think that was a big get for Auburn. Is he kind of like Kessler or Smith? He's probably going I, – I, I know he was third in the country in blocks. I would be surprised if he could reach Kessler's amount of blocks in the, in the SEC next year. But he's probably a little better offensive player, or at least he has a chance to be a little more complete offensive player. Kessler was mainly just a great defensive player. So uh, there's potential for Broom to absolutely make the same kind of impact that, that Kessler did. Yeah, of the two, he's way more similar to Kessler than Smith. But he, but he's kind of like he's kind of like Smith. No, he's no, kind of like he, Kessler. Oh, okay. He's yeah. more like Kessler, but he's not exactly like either one. So, like, so you are you are talking about Auburn baseball and Auburn softball hosting a regional. Does Auburn also have if they win the rest of the games? Do you think that Auburn softball can go Oklahoma and Auburn? Baseball can you go to Omaha? They'd have to go on a really big run because you got to play the conference tournament and then you've got to win that regional, win a best of three series at the Super Regionals before you can get there. I think if you're talking about both teams this year, actually, right now the odds are still stacked against Auburn, but we've seen these teams. Once you get into postseason play, if you're hitting and pitching at the right time, good things are going to happen. So what What have they said about the Auburn players that hurt? Um, did he? Did, uh, did they say anything else to him, or do you? Yeah, obviously, Hayden Mullins, the starting pitcher from Friday night for Auburn, had to be pulled pretty early in the game. I haven't heard the official diagnosis. I know there was concern over that injury, but uh, we'll get some updates from the coaching staff a little bit later throughout the week. So, is, is, is TJ Finley still around? Is he still going to be the starter? Yeah, I mean, you asked us last week, buddy, and it's not going to change until we get closer to fall camp and and then into the season. He is going to continue to be an Auburn Tiger. He's going to compete for that starting job right now. He is the starting quarterback, having started the last few games for Auburn. How is the quarterback that we got from Texas A&M? Is he still healthy? He's doing better. He had that offseason surgery, and he's improving. Okay, well, I want to do some like a uh, do some trivia. I want to do some uh, college trivia, and then I'll do the chair. Okay, I got I got to cut grass and prayer wash and such. But we we got a Fritzell sign in our yard, but do it in June. But You're, I was gonna do some. You guys are moving. Yeah, we're moving in June to Auburn. Yeah. Okay, well that's super exciting. Are you excited? I was born excited. Okay, good deal, good deal. All right, well, let's do that cheer and get on out of here. We don't have time for trivia because we got the commercial break coming up. We got trivia hey, done for you last week. Hey, Sean, hey, Sean's fired because he's in Louisiana. He's fired. Sean went to Louisiana? <laughs> okay, all right. Well, here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey, beat Bama. 48, 45, 63, 13. Booyah! Watch out. We're coming to your field. Georgia, we're coming to your field. All right, we'll talk to you next week, okay, buddy? Hey, hey, if you guys see Cam, if you guys see Cam, tell him I said hey and tell uh, Ryan, I mean Tom, he's fired. All right, we'll talk to you later, buddy. Thanks for the call today. That's our buddy Matt from Tallahassee joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. When we come back, more of your phone calls right here on WTGZ Tiger 95.9.
JJ Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Into the program, you're listening to Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan the Boy. Tom Peavy will join us here in just a little bit. All right, let's get another phone call in here. We love chatting with our favorite callers here on the show. Joining us now, we've got James from Montgomery. James has called into the program. Hi there, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle to you, sir. Yeah, I'm actually going to be talking about. Uh, I'm going to be recapping on uh, yesterday of the NFL draft and seeing uh, what grades would you give some of the uh, NFL teams. Did they do good? Did they do bad? Or did they do uh, somewhat? Okay, yeah, we're gonna. Okay, I like this. So, so let's get started. What grades do you have for the NFL teams, James? What did you hand out? Um, we'll call I, you Professor James. Okay, I like that. I like that. Well, I'll probably start off with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, and I gave them an A plus because they really did really good. Um, you know, in the first round of. of of the NFL draft, and I will probably see some of those guys helping out Trevor Lawrence and actually taking the Jacksonville Jaguars this year to the Super Bowl as well. So yeah. they really, they really, they really did um, a really good job as well. Remember, only two teams can go to the Super Bowl, but you've got a lot of faith in Jacksonville right now. Yes, I do. I do actually have a lot of faith in Jacksonville as well because I'm just trying to see how the new guys are going to actually help out Trevor Lawrence as well, you know, when the season actually starts in a couple of uh, in a couple of days from in a couple of months from now. So I'm yeah, just I was about actually, to say we got a ways to go. Yeah, so I'm just you know doing the NFL uh, countdown clock in my head as well. So All right, it's a, it's a it's a long way away. Well, our closest NFL team is the Atlanta Falcons. So, what kind of grade did you give them? I will probably say I give them like a B plus on on that one as well because I think with the Atlanta Falcons they really did a really good job of picking some of the some of the guys out of the SEC and some of the guys out of the ACC as well. And they drafted uh, Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC, with their first pick. Yes, uh, I mean with, with uh, London, I, I probably see some great things coming out of him in uh, Atlanta this year as well. Did you see what Drake bet? Huh? Did you see the Drake bet? Yes, I did. I actually did see that on my uh, Twitter feed. I actually did see that, and. Um, you know the bets were pretty high. They were they were up there. Well, the the you know the rapper Drake he bet one hundred thousand Canadian dollars that Drake London would be the first wide receiver drafted, and if he got it right, he would get four hundred thousand Canadian dollars, and he got it right. So the rapper Drake got his bet right. Yes, he did. I actually did see that as well, and um, you know everybody did 
get their bets right in um, in their draft uh, boards as well because I know last couple of weeks before like last couple of weeks up to the draft everybody was doing like their mock drafts and I I was very tempting on my draft board so I had uh uh, Will, I had Sam uh, Williams from Old Miss. He went to my Dallas Cowboys, so we picked him up. And um, I looked on the on the uh, roster, and he's active right now, so he will be uh, getting ready for uh, for minicamp practice uh, this coming up uh, week in a week from now. Yeah, I got three more teams for you to give us some draft grades on. So a lot of people really pleased with the grades and the drafts for the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Jets. How about you start with the Eagles? I would probably say I would give them, I'll give the Philadelphia Eagles a C minus. Oh, man. On their draft as well because they didn't do very good. They were wasting a lot of time. They were just trying to figure out if they were going to trade up or they were going to trade down and I mean they were just like letting time like you know they were letting time just edge on by them out of out of the um out of the sand clock as well so it was kind of a waste of time for the Philadelphia Eagles they did trade for an all-pro wide receiver in A.J. Brown Yes, they did trade for AJ Brown because I think with AJ Brown with his um with his background that that he actually left with the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh I think he played with another team. No, 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 no. AJ Brown with the Tennessee Titans. You're thinking of oh. Antonio Brown. This is AJ yeah. Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um sorry. I always get it's those okay. two I always get those two guys uh mixed up as well. Um well with AJ Brown he was yeah. AJ Brown was traded from the uh, Titans to the Eagles. Yeah, so they were like they were waiting for that trade, and it was like the clock was just like edging away, like real slowly. Because when they when they were on the clock, I could see their time just you know slowly like going going away from from the Eagles uh, trade as well. Draft grade for the New York Jets. I would probably say. I would give the New York uh, Jets, I would give them a B-plus on their uh, draft card as well because I think they really did really well with the Jets um, trade because they've actually, in their in their franchise history under the New York Jets, they've actually had four, yes, count on Four HBCU students coming from all uh, all of the universities under their uh, under their roster. So I'm pretty sure that they're going to do a really good job with the with the Jets as well. We'll take your word for it. What grade are you giving the Dallas Cowboys? I would have to say with my Cowboys and Jerry Jones, I'll probably say I'll give them a A++ on that one as well because we lit up the board. We were lighting it up from first round, second round, third round, fourth round, fifth, sixth, seventh, all the way to uh, uh, 290, 200, uh, 290th pick on 
Saturday night draft. So it was it was a lot of players getting uh, great uh, positions for uh, Dak. Prescott and uh, Ezekiel Elliott and uh, C.D. Lamb as well. So I would see those guys play this year as well. What would you say if someone said that you're being biased? That you're being a little bit of bias because your Cowboys are your favorite team. So of course you'd give them an A plus plus. Are you? Are, are you? Do you feel genuine in that, or what would you say? Um. Well, I would say. I wouldn't say that I'm genuine of my Cowboys because I've been a Cowboys fan ever since. But with that being said, I mean, most people, they would say that as well because I I am a diehard Cowboys fan. And I would just probably say, you know, it's time for the Cowboys to step up and win this year and actually win and make it to the win the playoff spot win the wild card division and then go and play in the Super Bowl this year in Arizona. So I'll, I'll probably see how we'll do uh, this uh, this time around as well. We'll switch gears real quick. Ryan and I are really thrilled because Chase Elliott won the NASCAR race today. Yes, yes. He actually did win the NASCAR race in Dover, um international speedway today yes and i am very excited because the race was today and i didn't see it but i did i actually did my uh fantasy nascar draft picks and i did have chase elliott in my fantasy uh lineup so i am happy that he won and i'm going to actually put him again in next week's race uh this well, this coming up uh, weekend as well. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. came in second. Yes, yeah, so I did have uh, Chase Elliott, and I did have uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in my uh, fantasy lineup. So um, he didn't give me enough points to actually make it. So I'm pretty sure that I'll just have to see uh, how many points I actually made on today's uh, fantasy uh, NASCAR race today as well. And then I got some SEC football headlines for you. Are you ready? Oh, yes, I am. Alabama cornerback Eli Ricks, a projected first-round pick in next year's NFL draft. Alabama cornerback Eli Ricks arrested for speeding and marijuana. Yes, I did actually read that today on, um, I think it was on ESPN. ESPN. I did read that on their um, app on the ESPN app as well, but I'm just trying to see uh, more information about that as well when that actually comes out um, with more information from ESPN as well. Yeah, we'll see. You got any other news for us? Um, Well, actually, I'm going to be watching my Dallas Mavericks play in tonight's uh, NBA playoffs against the uh, Phoenix Suns. So we're actually playing at home and I'm just going to see how we're how we're actually going to be doing um you know against the Phoenix Suns and I'm actually uh, very happy that I have a lot of um different picks were correct in my NBA pickem bracket as well and I just moved up three spots at wow. 
in the NBA pick'em uh, uh, spots as well, and I won a lot of points from last week and the week before last as well. So I've got three of the four teams actually correct on my NBA pick'em uh, bracket as well. James, who are your three favorite players on the Mavericks? Um, I would have to say, I would have to say Luka Doncic. I have to say, uh, let me see, who's on our Mavericks roster? I know Luka Doncic. I know um, some of the other guys I'm trying to get to know on the team as well. All right. Would you say Spencer Dinwiddie? Yes, Spencer Dinwiddie, and I think it's White Street. Who? White White Street. That's his last name. I'm not familiar with him. He's he's with the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, okay. He plays with the Mavericks. Okay. Are you thinking about Jalen Brunson? Yeah, Jalen Brunson is on there, and um. I think, yeah, Jalen Bronson is on there, and then it's another guy that we picked up during the off during the off season from another team. Reggie Bullock. Yeah, we got Reggie Bullock, and then we have um, if I had the roster, the Dallas roster in front of me. I what would, about Dorian um, Finney Smith? Uh, yes. Finney Smith is, is a really good player as well. My favorite so, player is Bobon. You know Bobon? Mm-hmm. He's like seven foot five, James. He's so tall out there. Yes, he is. I think um, he's, he's very funny. Yeah, he is. He's a funny guy on and off the court as well. And I'm thinking that he would be in tonight's lineup as well. We'll see. We'll certainly wait and see. Well, we'll be watching it. What else is on your mind? Anything else? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, actually, my Dallas Stars are actually edged their names into the playoff spot. So I'm hoping and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we would uh, win uh, against our against the first team that we're playing in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think it's the Canadian. I think it's I don't know who we're playing. You're playing the round. Calgary Flames. Yeah. So we're if we beat them if you beat the flames we're good (laughs) we're actually good so if we beat them tonight we're going to be good all the way through (laughs) all right buddy i like it i like the confidence you want any trivia today uh yes i do because with um well with college football right around the corner i'll probably get some uh college football uh trivia history on the history of college football as well that's what you're looking for yes all right when was the first ever college football playoff national championship oh man the first national college playoff championship. Oh, course, man. For, yeah, the first time they had a four-team playoff for the championship. I know this. Uh, it was actually years, months and months back in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame. That's right. And I it was know. right after the Auburn and Florida State National <laughs> Championship game. It was right after that one. I know this one because I actually saw a video clip 
of it. And I know the four teams that actually played in the national championship game. Let me see if I could go back into into my memory so far back. I would have to say, let me see what they said. I know it's Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. We were looking for a year, James. Oh, a year. Okay, let me see. The year that Alabama made it to the national championship game, I know it wasn't under Nick Saban because I know Nick Saban was still coaching at LSU at the time. No, 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 no. We're looking for the first college football playoff national championship. It was after the 2013 season. So it was the 2014 season, and it would have been in, in January of 2015. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, okay. you knew that. Um, okay, I'm sorry. All right, how sorry, about how about your next question? Okay, I'm how, ready. How many Heisman Trophy winners do the Notre Dame Fighting Irish have? All right, how many national um, trophy Heisman Trophy winners Notre Dame actually have? I will have to say. Fifteen, almost. It was seven. It was seven. Okay. Still a good number of them. All right, and then one more. Notre Dame had a famous football movie about one player. What was his name? Oh man, I've seen this movie. You know it. Many, many times, and it's at the beginning of the opening scene of this favorite movie, and it's the title of the movie. It's called Rudy. Yeah, you got it, man. And and actually, Rudy was actually uh, one of the shortest football players in Notre Dame history. Yeah, he was a short fella. And... In the movie, when the coach actually tells the guys when was Notre Dame's first national championship, and it's the number that they've actually had on that board, and it is 1958. Yeah. That was their first national championship that the Notre Dame Fighting Irish ever won in college football history and it stands to this day and they actually have um a trophy that is inducted to the actual live player that used to play with notre dame and they have his jersey in the locker room in notre dame with rudy's actual jersey number Yeah, no, you're right, buddy. James, it's been so good to hear from you today, man. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Tomorrow, because Wednesday I will actually be in Montgomery watching the Montgomery Biscuits. We play at 11 a.m. Wednesday. Wow, all right. Well, we'll talk about it tomorrow, okay? 
All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our buddy James. He's joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's take one quick time out on the other side. Retired War Damp Steve joins the show. Coming up next here on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back into the program. J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy. Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers is going to join us at 4.15 on the program. And uh, we're going to open up the next hour with our buddy retired Ward M. Steve. Don't want to squeeze him in to this next little time slot here. Can't wait to see what Steve has to say and all the events from over this past weekend. What we're going to do right now for these final few moments of hour number one is something we do each and every day. We're going to take this opportunity to celebrate our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports here today on Monday, May 2nd, 2022. Just four birthdays on the docket today. It'll allow for time for a comment from Ryan and I on these. Paul George is turning 32 years old today. The current small forward of the L.A. Clippers selected 10th overall in the 2010 NBA draft by the Indiana Pacers out of Fresno State. A seven-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA first team, two-time All-NBA defensive first team. He's the 2013 NBA Most Improved Player, the 2019 NBA Steals Leader, a gold medalist in the 2016 Rio Olympics, representing the United States, and he has his number 24 jersey retired by Fresno State. Paul George is turning 32 years old. Playoff P? Nah, I'm just kidding. He's uh he's had some better playoff performances as of late, but he had a he had a nice several years where his playoff performance has left a, a <laughs> lot to be desired. But heck of a basketball player, the biggest thing for them is they just got to get Kawhi Leonard healthy and uh, George. Heck, he he got. COVID protocols on their second playing game, so he de facto didn't even play. So they just got to get healthy. He's 32 now. I still will never forget a decade ago at age 22 when he's playing in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James of the Miami Heat. Paul George absolutely baptized Chris Bergman Anderson. And I was like, this guy's going to be a problem for years to come as they were freaking out. But my guy LeBron pulled through. Birdman recovered. Birdman still lives. And, he uh, probably got a tattoo to commemorate it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Paul George is celebrating his 32nd birthday. Happy birthday, Pat McAfee, the former punter for the Indianapolis Colts, mostly known for being the host of the now Pat McAfee show. He's also a wrestling color commentator for the WWE, the 2013 First Team All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler. He was a member of the All-Rookie Team, and he holds the NFL record for highest career net average punting yards at 40. 1.1. Didn't know that. He's good. He, he kick it. He has a great personality. I enjoy checking in. He's had, <laughs> his interview with Mike McDaniel, the new Dolphins head coach, was just great. Stuff yeah, about a month ago. I remember you pointing that out. Yeah, how much he, you loved it. I yeah. watched it as they well. Have a good time. He's with that show. he's really 
fun and a- AJ Hawk just kind of sits there and just like <laughs> smokes a cigar or whatever. Yeah. But McAfee's just like standing up all and the has time. All this energy. Yep, it's amazing. And a good punt. I mean, 41.1 yards per punt. Yeah. That'll get the job done. It will. The unfortunate thing is you don't want too much of that. I mean, you're not moving the football. Like, like to have a good punter is so counterintuitive because it's just like most of the time this guy's good because we know he's got a lot of inside the 20 or he's got a great net average or whatever. But it's like we want him to punt the fewest times out of anyone. We don't want this to be like 30 inside the 20s because you've got to punt a million. Right. Because if you're punting, good things aren't happening. Happy birthday to Ian Anderson, a current pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, turning 25 years old, selected third overall in the 2016 MLB draft by the Braves and made his Major League debut in 2020. A 2021 World Series champion and he's childhood best friends with Atlanta Hawks shooting guard Kevin Herter. But Ian Anderson turns 25 years old. I think I knew that, but that's still funny to hear out loud. Uh, But yeah, Ian, like a lot of the Braves, also a little bit of a slow start, but that's the beautiful thing about all these Braves guys that were on the team last year. Whenever it's their birthday, we just get to remind ourselves again. World Series champion. With like, like whenever Jesse Chavez's birthday comes up, we're gonna mention it just so we can say <laughs> happy birthday to Atlanta Brave World Series champion Jesse Chavez. So, we uh, still like Ian Anderson though, right? Yeah. yeah okay. He's still a good young pitcher. And then finally, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is turning 51 years old today, known mostly for his acting career at this point, but a former football player at the University of Miami, where he won a championship in 1991, entered the 1995 NFL Draft, but went undrafted, turned to professional wrestling instead, where his career took off. A 10-time world champion, The Rock has also produced and performed in many major motion pictures. The Rock is turning 51. The uh, the Jumanji movies yeah. did a good job of playing into The Rock a little bit because... If you've seen one of those movies, you have these you have like these positive characteristics, and he played the best character within Jumanji. And one of his characteristics was smoldering intensity, <laughs> and that's exactly what you kind of see when you see Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You're exactly. I forgot all about that, but I remember that that was a and fun Kevin scene. Hart can't and- eat cake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, what a great film! Birthdays in sports today on May second: Paul George, Pat McAfee, Ian Anderson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, all celebrating their birthdays. Retired Wardham Steve joins us here in just a little bit. Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers will be a part of the program and more. You are listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show in the state of Alabama. This is Sports Call Auburn on Tiger 95.9 FM. One hour in the books and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. 
And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy here with you inside our studios as we are set to be joined by Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers a little bit later in the hour. We'll chat with him here in about 10 minutes, actually, uh, here on this Monday. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 if you would like to call in and be a part of our program as we go back to the phone lines now and... Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve now joins us here on today's show. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon, Mr. JJ and Mr. Tom P. I'm not sorry, Mr. Ryan LaVoy. And Tom Peavy. I'm here. We're all here. Oh, and Tom's here, too. I finally, okay, made, I finally made it in. Okay, we'll be inclusive. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pull you in as well. Okay, so, guys, before I get started uh, on a roll here, real quick message to my friend Matt from Tallahassee. I always enjoy your comments, Matt. Uh, one thing, though, I need to let you know, I think a few weeks ago, you associated my name uh, with uh, Trump. So I need to let you know, I don't associate myself with people who lie, repeatedly lie, and then lie about their lives. So we'll leave it at that, okay? All right. All right. Moving on. Hey, guys, let's go to the good, bad, and the ugly. Go for it. The good. The really good. A big shout-out and a war dam to Mr. Broom. We got him. Got yes, we John, did. Johnny Broom coming to Auburn. Janai Broom. John I Broom, yeah. It looks and like Johnny's or spelled, Johnny. but it's uh, but it's yeah. Janai. Yeah. Janai. Okay, uh, I I think he's going to be a real really uh, positive impact on this team. And I've also read uh, from either Nathan King or maybe Keith Neaver that uh, if we get Mr. Julian Phillips, that we will probably uh, have the highest ever ranked uh, recruiting ranking uh, in basketball history for Auburn, maybe top five. Is that what you guys have heard or read? Uh, I haven't specifically read that, but I mean that would make perfect sense. That if, I mean, if you bring in that many five stars and you add a a, a top transfer in uh, Janai Broom, then yeah, I, I could definitely see it because people are talking about Treora, and if you get Phillips, I mean that's two freshmen coming in, that's two five stars. But then you look at the other guys, Chance Westry and uh, and some of these other guys that Auburn's brought in. So yeah, you, you could definitely be looking at uh, the best class and. Man, you, you you think that starting five uh, last year was good. This starting five might be just as good, if not even better. Okay, so I'll bring this up, guys, because I know Mr. Call is coming up pretty soon, so I'm going to do a little spoiler on him, uh, and I hope you guys don't get upset with me doing it. <laughs> okay. But, you know, Bruce was able to do something that I thought would never be accomplished in Auburn since I've been an Auburn fan, Okay, which has been over 50 years. Because we were like, you know – in the abyss of basketball programs, would you agree or disagree? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It, it was a, it was a very unheralded program. They'd only had a couple of decent seasons there, but uh, uh, no, I mean, yeah, they they were at the bottom of the league. Uh, they were at the bottom of the league. Nobody was giving them any sort of thought in the national uh, realm of college basketball. They were not sending, but you know, one guy every once in a while would go to the NBA. But now, yeah, they were. Uh, they were bottom dwellers. Yeah, we were irrelevant. And yet, he's brought it to the point where now we don't look for just three-star players. We, we're getting five-star players. We're disappointed if we don't get them. So I'll bring that up because this is not where our football program is right now. Uh, and Mr. Jason Caldwell 
uh, unfortunately points out the disparity. There is no uh, football college parity right now going on, at least not in the SEC. Here's what Mr. Caldwell said in his uh, column today, and I want to hear your guys' uh, comments and ask him questions about this. He starts out with saying, talent acquisition and development are the most important things in college football, not coaching, not scheming. You guys agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, I mean, for, for the most part, because, uh, I mean, you can be the you can be the best coach you can be the best coach there is, but if you're not bringing the talent in, you might be able to develop a, a very underrated person and develop them into something. But the the big dogs are big dogs because they're bringing in the big dogs. They're they're bringing in the big time blue chippers, uh, just one after the other. They're the ones that have top rated recruiting classes almost year in and year out. That's why you see Alabama stand at the top. That's why Georgia just won a national title because of their recruiting efforts, and it's why they're going to rebuild again, even with all the massive losses that Georgia just took to the NFL draft. Georgia's going to be right back in it again because Kirby Smart, they are recruiting at a high level. They're, they're not trying to develop small talent. So, yeah, uh, uh, it has to do with talent acquisition. Well, hold on to your armchairs because – this is the real, the, the real widening gap here. This comes from, again, Mr. Jason Caldwell today. He goes back to the last 10 NFL drafts. Right. All right. And when he does that, we've only had four first-round picks in the past 10 NFL drafts. There's only one other team in the SEC who's done worse than us, and they are Arkansas. They've had two. Right. Ole Miss and Mississippi State, who's supposed to be bottom feeders, for us anyway, in the Western Division, they've also had four first-round draft picks in the last 10 years, same as us. Now, I bring that up because then Mr. Caldwell says and points this out. In this 10-year stretch, Auburn has had, hold on to your seats, 38 total players drafted. Now, during that same time, guys, get ready. Bama has had 29 First round selections alone. Yeah. Georgia has had 16 first round selections during the same time period. LSU 12, and AM has nine. Wow. So he goes on to say with 15 players selected in this year's draft, Georgia now has 44 players taken in the last five years. Not 10 years, five years. Alabama in the past five years has had 47 players taken. So he says, want to complete yearly with the top teams on Auburn's schedule? we got to get more people in the NFL. My conclusion for reading this is that apparently we just do a sucky job at cheating. Now, How else do you explain that Georgia, who wasn't doing this, by the way, uh, all these five-star recruits, uh, when uh, the previous coach, uh, Georgia, was there, only when Kirby Spark came around? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't necessarily say that I would call it cheating. There, there's stuff that goes on, but I mean, every school does it. It's well, we do you know, a bad job of it. I, well, no, I, Steve, I'm told, I, I'm I'm going to go back to something that I have said before in the in the past. What Brian Harson is dealing with right right now is he is still dealing with overlap from Gus Malzahn. Exactly. All, well, but but listen to me. Auburn was putting defensive players in the NFL I, on on a yearly basis. Like just about every single guy that went to the NFL. Uh, outside of a handful here and there, were defensive Tom, players. Not that many, sir. 38 total players drafted in the past 10 years, and 
Alabama has had 29 in first-round selections alone. Sure. Uh, they, but they've also been recruiting at a higher level. They're, they've been bringing in the guys how, that were. How have they done that? How have they done that, Tom? Because they're Alabama. They, I mean, they, right now they they're lined up to go to Alabama. I mean, the best of the best. If they want to try to win a championship, they're going to go to Bama. They're going to go to Ohio State. They're going to go to Georgia. That that's and that's also part of why the parity is not as much as it is in the NFL or in the college football ranks right now, because uh, because that you've got your you've got your top programs and that's where the top talent want to go to. In a sport like basketball, there's a lot of top teams that are spread out, and it's also a lot more difficult to win a championship because of the tournament scenario. So that that top talent gets spread out, and plus the rosters are so small on basketball teams that 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 big time talents get spread out. But I mean, with with a football roster like that, you can just load up with with top talent. And right now, like Texas A and M just had a recruiting class that people are calling one of the best ever. I mean, that's Texas A and M. Were they cheating, or do they just have big money NIL out there right now? Uh, Auburn Auburn's problem, though, Steve. Like I said, it stems back to the Gus Malzahn deal, and it had to do with that offensive system and the fact and the recruiting that they struggled with there. Were, were other teams that were negatively recruiting against the system. It was the NFL scouts um, saying openly that, that, that players, they, you know, telling teams don't draft these guys from Auburn on offense because they're not going to be prepared for the NFL. That word gets around. And when you're a high school kid looking to go to a, a school, say you go to look at Auburn and you're like, hey, I'm, I like the atmosphere in Auburn. It's fun and, and everything. But then you've got other coaches and they point at the NFL scouts and they said, hey, listen, you might not want to go there. They're not going to prepare you for the NFL. And a lot of these kids listen to that. And so that Harson has been trying to undo what was done. And I think that word is still out there. And these kids that have been getting recruited since they were eighth graders still have in their mindset that Auburn is not a place that's going to prepare you for the NFL. And Harson is trying to correct all that misinformation that had been going on uh, over since he got here. And he's trying to correct that and understand that this is a system that will prepare you better for the NFL. He's just got to undo the mentality that was already set in place from where Malzahn was here. Well, it's just, it's just truly embarrassing that we're at this level. And I, I, I can't explain what was the explanation that, you know, Malzahn was struggling uh, with not getting the, the, the kind of uh, talent that uh, Auburn should get. I mean, we are not doing any better, okay, than Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And they are not exactly the behemoths. Uh, in the SEC, but they have done just as well as we've done in the past 10 years in first-round draft picks. That, to me, is embarrassing. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's something that should be embarrassing as an Auburn football fan. I mean, you obviously want to see your guys go to the NFL, but, again, the system that had been that Auburn put into place under the system that Gus Malzahn put into place here was not something that was preparing those kids to go to the NFL. That the terminologies were not there, the sets were not there. There was nothing with that system that really prepared them for the league. And the guys that did go to the NFL from offense, the offensive side, the guys that did go to the league had to basically be taught from scratch. Uh, Braden Smith, uh, there's plenty of stories on Braden Smith on how when he got to Indianapolis, he had no idea what he was doing. They had had to basically reteach him how to play football when he got to Indianapolis. Uh, there's a wide receiver, and I can't think of which one it was right now, that went to the uh, – uh, may have been the Giants. I don't, I don't know if it's Slayton when Slayton first went. 
but it was a wide receiver. Uh, many stories about how he he got there and had no idea what he was doing. I mean, they, they they were talking all these routes and stuff, and he had no idea what they were talking about. He didn't even know how to run routes. And these are things that are not going to help you send other guys to the league because that word gets out there and – some of these high-profile kids that have a future in the NFL don't want to come to a system that is not going to prepare them for the next level. Steve, we got to get to Jason Caldwell. Last yeah. thought for us today. Well, I want to throw this out to you guys, and, I'll, and please ask Jason the same question, because this comes from the late kick blitz. Of, you know who? John, Josh Pate. Yeah. Well, I just saw his post on 426, and he throws out the question of what will be a successful season record for for Brian Harson and our football team this coming season. And he says he doesn't have a great feeling about uh, Brian Harson remaining a coach uh, after 2022 if he doesn't win at least eight games. Guys, what do you what are your thoughts about that? We're going to save those thoughts for uh, for a little bit later. Yeah. All right, thank you for that comment, Steve, and uh, look forward to talking to you again tomorrow, all right? All right, guys. Thanks for your time as always. I know my time is way up. Uh, tell Mr. Caldwell I enjoy his columns. And, boy, I hope somebody knows what to do to turn this around. All right. But in the meantime, until next time, guys, War Damn Eagle always. War Eagle. Retired War Damn Steve joining us here on the program. You can be a part of our show by giving us a call, 334-887-3401. But on the other side of this break, Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers joins us next here on Sports Call. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. Hi, my name is. Hi, my name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. here on Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap skills and games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, tap enable to use. You're done. All you have to do now is say, hey Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It is a Monday you might expect Smitty Grider to be in the house with us. He had to make a change of plans at the very last minute. He'll be back with us next week. But that means uh, that we will still be able to go to our phone line today and bring on a very good friend of the program, Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers at ITAT. Jason, kind enough to join us here on the show. Jason, hope that you're doing well. Uh, let's talk about the baseball team and what they were able to accomplish over the weekend. What you think of uh, their performance there in Knoxville, Jason? Yeah, I thought considering the circumstances and 
you know, dealing with, you know, the loss of Hayden Mullins pretty early on Friday and then uh, Blake Burkhalter, um, you know, toward the end of the game on Friday with a chance to to, to win that game. Uh, I thought the way they responded to win on Saturday to give themselves a chance to win on Sunday against what, to me, um, just physically is the best team I've ever seen in college baseball. They may not win a national championship, but I don't have, I don't remember a team that has more physical tools across the board than this Tennessee team did. And Auburn had a chance to, to, to win in, in each and every game. And so to do that, I, I thought they handled themselves pretty well showed themselves pretty well and, uh, and you know, have put themselves in a position here down the stretch. Uh, you know, as long as they keep doing those things, they got a position, got a chance to, uh, you know, to obviously get in the postseason and, you know, uh, you know, make some noise. Tell us what you thought about all the passion, all the antics uh, that, that we saw from both sides of, of the, uh, the the series this weekend. Yeah, no, uh, you know, Tennessee is known to do those things. They don't like it when you do those things back. And so... <laughs> That's, that's basically my take there. Um, Auburn did what Tennessee does, and they didn't like it. And so, um, you know, the bat, you know, I'm sure if you had to do it over Bobby Pierce, probably doesn't carry the bat, but I'm sure he wasn't really sure where he was at the moment. Uh, he tosses the bat a little bit, but, guys, I'm going to tell you, the turf there is about like a basketball court. Remember those rubberized basketball courts? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's what it was like. Well, the bat hits end over end. It bounced about three feet. And then rolled. And so there's only about 15 feet between that first baseline and the dugout. There's not a ton of room, 15, 20 feet. So it's not like he threw the bat 30 yards to, to the dugout. So it bounced over, rolled over, and, um, you know, that kind of starts everything. And then um, I thought for, you know, three hours yesterday, it was a beautifully played baseball game. Both sides were really good. As soon as the last out's over with, and Tennessee responds by running to midfield. And I would say 90% of the roster looking towards the Auburn dugout, yelling, screaming, and, and doing the kind of the talking sign with their hand. Uh, that's what they do. Hey, they back it up. But it's just not the way that, you know, I, I like to watch baseball or many other sports. And I don't think it was something that uh, Auburn really appreciated. But, hey. It is what it is. In the end, uh, you deal with it, move on. What's the latest with Hayden Mullins? The Friday night starter for Auburn obviously had to leave the game a little bit earlier uh, than anticipated. What's the latest with him, Jason? Yeah, I think for him it's just going to be a matter of getting checked out, see, you know, kind of, you know, what the elbow looks like, those kind of things. You know, unfortunately, when you start dealing with elbows and dealing with, you know, with those kind of things for for pitchers, uh, it puts you in question, uh, even if there's. You know, there's no damage. Butch Thompson's not a guy that, that pushes guys to the limit. You know, only three weeks left in the regular season. Um, normally, even in a perfect situation, you're talking about a month of, you know, sitting out a couple of weeks, a little bit of rehab. I, I'd be really surprised at this juncture if we saw Hayden Mullins again this year. Oh, wow. Uh, on, on the offensive side of things, obviously one guy, uh, several guys had a big weekend, but uh, Bobby Pierce had to, had a huge weekend with some very clutch home runs. Uh, if you could just talk about Bobby Pierce and how big he was for the Tigers. Yeah, he really came up big. You're right, and you know he's played really good defense. He's had some, some timely hitting and had really struggled uh, up until his home run. Uh, you know, moving him up to that four spot behind Sonny Galloway, and it's such a such an important role for somebody on this team. 
to, to be able to handle that spot. And he did a good job, a couple of home runs on the weekend. Um, you know, did a good job of, of providing some protection. And that's just going to be a key. Uh, you know, like most teams, they, you know, they, in times they pitched to Sonny Galloway. Other times, I mean, the Sonny, not Sonny Galloway, excuse me, Sonny share But other times they did not. Uh, and, you know, Bobby Pierce made them pay on Saturday by, by walking the guy in front of him. And that, you know, people forget about that too. That has a little bit to do with, with the reaction and, and the celebration of a home run when the guy in front of you is walked intentionally. Um, you know, that, that, that charges you up a little bit. And that happened with Bobby Pierce. So I thought he did a good job of kind of filling that role and providing some depth and, and some, some protection there for, uh, for Sonny, uh, in that, in that lineup. A couple weeks ago, Jason, this team was able to sweep South Carolina. Now they're able to take one of three from Tennessee, something only one other team in the SEC has done. How do you think the perception of Auburn is changing nationally and kind of road mapping the last three series? Kind of where are they on the path to trying to host a regional? Yeah, I, I think it's right now you look at it and you go, um, take care of business is is kind of the the roadmap for success for Auburn now. You've got 12 wins uh, with three series left. you got Arkansas at home. Arkansas, they're a really good team. It's a top five team nationally. They haven't been great on the road. Uh, and so, look at them. I think they're four and five away from home this year. So, they haven't played a whole lot of true road games when they have. You know, they've lost a couple of series. They lost a series at Florida. And so, you look at them, that's a, that's a team that you feel like if you're at Auburn, you've got a chance to win a series. And then, Alabama the next weekend at home. You feel like, hey, take care of business at home. Um, you do that, you know, the next two weekends, you've got 16 wins going to Kentucky, and that's a Kentucky team that has scuffled a little bit. Now, you know, they went to Florida, won one out of three. Um, they got Tennessee this weekend. Um, you can't, if you're Kentucky, you can't feel really good about where you are right now with seven SEC wins, um, three weeks left, and Tennessee coming to town this weekend. Uh, you know, you start looking at kind of your situation and all of a sudden you look up with, with six games remaining and you're 7-17 in SEC play and you got to feel like that you're on the very outside looking in, you know, even with a chance to get to Hoover. So, um, your Auburn is about taking care of business. You do that, then um, you get to 17, then I think it's a no-doubter that Auburn is a hosting with, with Auburn's RPI, which is currently number four in the country. You get to 18, then I think Auburn has a great in, in realistic shot to, to potentially be a national seed if you get to 18. So you, you win two the next three weekends and, and, and Auburn is in great shape. Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers is joining us here on the program today on this Monday. Also saw the NFL draft come to a close uh, over the weekend. Only one Tiger heard his name called during the official draft proceedings, and that was Roger McCreary. A lot of conversation after the fact, Jason, because a lot of people want to react to, to that news that Auburn just has one player drafted. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, I thought. I, that was the expectation going in for me. I, I, I thought it would be maybe a shot that Smoke Monday got drafted, maybe a shot for Jacoby McLean, but it, it, it was still going to be a question uh, going in for those guys. So it wasn't a big surprise. The, the preparation was there for me because of you know the, the return of a lot of guys that normally would have been gone uh, in terms of you know some super senior guys. You know, guys like Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, even a Nehemiah Pritchett are guys. Uh, I wouldn't propose because of injury. Those are guys that if you're 
you're nine and three last year, ten and three last year, and they're healthy. Those guys are probably gone and in the NFL draft, much like we saw, you know, from Georgia and some other teams. Uh, so, I think it's a just combination of, of the way the season ended, injury to a couple of guys, um, and just you know, let's face it, it's, it's you know an issue with development at times too. And um, and that's you know I talked about it this morning. I, I wrote something in Monday morning quarterback about um, it's it's player and talent acquisition player and talent development and it's been an it's been an ongoing issue um at times for much of the last decade for Auburn uh, when you compare it to the main teams you're looking at the main teams you're trying to compete with when you look at Alabama you look at Georgia you look at LSU now you look at Texas A&M um even though you don't play them every year you look at Clemson that's the school you're competing against in terms of recruiting um Auburn has fallen behind those teams in those areas and um, you know, people, that's where it starts when you start talking about, you know, recruiting, getting players, those kind of things. You know, it's not going to be be all end all NIL. You know, getting guys to the next level, um, getting them opportunities in NFL, that, that is still a very important part of this, and it's, it's the place that Auburn has to improve. You know Auburn Athletics just about as well as everyone, and you know that people love to jump the gun and have to have questions answered right now despite not having games being played for months to come. But I'd ask you this, Jason. Here we are looking at year two for Brian Harson. Record-wise, what would be considered a, sex, a successful season as he enters uh, his second season? Yeah, I think it. you look at it, obviously improvement is goal number one. You go six and seven last year. Um, I think it, you just have to take a step forward. Um, you know, they did some good things last year. You know, winning at LSU was a was a big deal. Auburn, some had Auburn, Auburn had not done it in a long time, so I think that was a big deal for for the program and you know, for the staff. I think it's I think it starts early. I think having Penn State at home uh, is a really big opportunity early in the season for this team for this program to kind of go. Okay, there's a statement win. You know, Penn State just had. What, eight or nine guys drafted? They've had a really good recruiting class, brought in some key transfers. That's going to be a preseason top 25 team. You know, you're talking about your quarterback returning and some of those other pieces. And so that's where it starts. And then you try to build some momentum. Um, obviously, you look and you play at Georgia and at Alabama, at Ole Miss, at Mississippi State. That's a, that's a really difficult road schedule out of the gate. I think you got some winnable home games. And so it's almost like we're just talking about with baseball. I think that's the key for this team right here. Hey, take care of Jordan Hare Stadium. Take care of business at home. You do that next year, then then you would have have you know started a roadmap for success. You know, under Ron Harson, I think in year number two. Well, uh, but now the question is this: If Auburn say they have an equal season, or say they even uh, have less of a season, or even maybe one more win than last year, but let's just say they don't get to that nine or win till win uh, ten win total. Are the Wolves going to be out for Harson again, or do you think people have kind of calmed down on him and that his job is a little more safer than it than it would have been a year ago? Yeah, I, um, honestly, some I can't. I, I don't have any way of knowing. I don't have right. any answer because I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a magic number. You know, people are like what's the? Ma-? I don't think there's a magic number. I think it depends on how it, how the season goes, how it progresses, and you know, I think it's one of those things you know it when you see it, and and. You know, I, I like the staff they have in place now. Um, I think some of it will depend on what it looks like from a recruiting standpoint, too. Uh, we, you know, we saw it last year. 
I think you got to show that you can can step up and 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 compete with with those programs I just talked about in terms of recruiting in this state this year. You got an opportunity because it's a great year in the state of Alabama in in 2023 for this recruiting class. So I think that's part of it as well. You, you get get on roll in recruiting and and build some momentum there. And then I think for people they go, hold on, let's take a step back. Now this thing has a chance to to turn and be really good. I think I think I think it's a little bit of everything. It's just you just have to show some of that tangible proof moving forward. On Twitter, at ITAT Jason, it's Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers. Kind enough to join us here on the program. Before we let you get out of here, Jason, summertime is a busy time for so many people to uh, get on the message boards, get so excited for the upcoming college football season. From your perspective, is it kind of crazy to see much how, uh, you know, this uh, message board craze, how much it's sort of developed over the years and certainly makes your job a little bit easier to be entertained by so many thoughts from so many? Yeah, it makes it easier at times and harder at times. It kind of depends <laughs> on what's going on. But and now you know, I've been just I've just been used to it. Um, you know, the, the message board community for us has been a huge part of things for now twenty years. Uh, now you you kind of factor in the social media side of it to bring that into you know kind of that everyday fan, and it, it's changed it some. It, it, you're even more reactionary, even more opinionated now because of social media. So it makes it a challenge at times, but. Uh, that's what makes it fun. Uh, without without those folks, then then I wouldn't have a job. And so because of that, that's an important part of what we do every day is to, to make sure that we take care of those people, make sure that we answer those questions and, and do those things. And so, uh, yeah, it's, that's that's a huge part of what we're trying to do. It, and uh, obviously with Inside the Auburn Tigers, AUTigers.com, and you now Auburn Undercover, uh, and, you know, the 247 site. Tell folks how they can support you then, Jason. Yeah, obviously, hey, the last day today, so until 11.59 tonight, you got a huge still NFL draft promo going on for, for first-time subscribers. You can sign up and, and get everything for a fraction of the cost that you would have normally. So uh, check us out there. Like I said, you can find that information on our front page. I tweeted it out a couple times today. So you, if you haven't signed up before and thought, hey, it's a good time, or maybe thinking, oh, it's a little slow time of the year, you sign up now and it gets you through football season, gets you through training camp, gets you through the summer camp and, and recruiting side of things. So uh, check it out there and also follow me on Twitter at ITATJ. I'll say as someone who does not get paid whatsoever for promoting Auburn Undercover and 24-7 sports and Jason Caldwell's work, it's money well spent on my end to know what these guys are saying. I'd encourage you to do the same. Jason, as always, we really do appreciate the time. Looking forward to seeing you again soon and then catching up as well. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's Jason Caldwell joining us there on the program. Let's take our next commercial break here on the show. When we come back, more of your phone calls. Busy time of year. A lot of opinions this time of year on a variety of different things. We discuss that and more here on Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to more Sports Call with JJ Jackson and the guys.
Moving along, Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy inside our studios here today as uh, we're having fun on this Monday. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sports Call AU. Still got best and worst of the weekend, a nightly TV guide, and all, and I mean all, of your phone calls are welcome here on the program. 334-887-3401. Tom, you uh, had a bit of a delayed start here today, and then we get into the mix, and we've got Steve on the line, and then we've got Jason Caldwell immediately after the fact. So I just hope you're doing well, buddy, and it's good to see you. (laughs) I'm doing great. Uh, Spent the weekend up in in the wonderful world of Boaz, Alabama. Okay. So uh, I bet JJ doesn't know where that is. I've definitely heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Uh, it, what were north, you doing north, there? A, north Alabama. Uh, my, my girlfriend... Do you uh, know that you were there? I do know that okay. I was there. I was in both... Slant, well, I guess... You technic- were willingly there. Sure. Uh, technically, I was mainly in Albertville, which is just above Were you about Boaz. to say Slap Out, Alabama? No. Oh, okay. Slap Out's much further south. Right. Town um, name Tuesday. There you go. Uh, now, Albertville, Alabama, um, Boaz, that area. Uh, uh, every um, one, uh, The first weekend of May, they have what's called Decoration Day. Um, it's, I think it's kind of more of like a North Alabama thing. Uh, families kind of all gather at the uh, family cemetery plot, put down flowers, gather as a family, go out to eat as a family. Gotcha. Uh, so I was up there doing a family thing with uh, with my girlfriend and her and her group, and uh, that's something we do every May. Uh, we go up there and and hang out with all of her relatives and eat dinner and yeah. Are you ready out of town for, for a uh, Are you ready for the return of Wacky Wednesday here in a few days? Yes. Okay. Is it going to be? I can't reveal it, but is yes, it gonna it's going to be what you're thinking what, of. Yeah. Yes. What, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's going to be oh, good. So can so I rejoin? So you can rejoin. So y'all, yeah. got, y'all got one on, uh, set up and ready to yes. go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so what's funny about Wacky Wednesday, you, yeah, it's, that you bring that up, we were riding in the car, uh, uh, my girlfriend Michelle and her uh, mom and her aunt, and uh, she actually brought up Wacky Wednesday when we were talking about the animal facts. Okay. Um, so we were having this whole conversation in the car about the animal facts. The anatomy of the animals that day, or no, the uh, the one the one where we were talking about the sexual exploitation of bees. Right. right. Okay. Yes, that one. And gotcha. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> go back and listen to it. <laughs> it's, it's not, not Wednesday. Wednesday. We're not allowed we to talk about that. We right. can't dive deep into it. But but, uh, but, but, but Wacky Wednesday was actually talked about in the car while we were riding around. How fitting. Uh, we've got the great sports movie bracket going on as well. It is the last day. We have reached the end. It is the championship round of the great sports movie bracket rocky is taking on a league of their own it is tom hanks versus sylvester stallone how do you feel about that tom i guess it's also madonna versus sylvester stallone and uh (laughs) well i was about to say i don't know if it's really those two versus one another i would think that in the annals of acting history you'd probably have hanks over stallone but i don't think i don't think that applies to this particular movie or this matchup but the thing is, who was that's the so that's the one good thing about the uh, a league of their own is they're not just one main character. I mean, Rocky is Rocky. Sure, they're right. they're supporting cast to Sylvester Stallone in that, but uh, Gina I, Davis is G, big in that. Yeah. I mean, well, Gina Davis, you'd almost kind of think Gina Davis yeah. is the main character, probably. But everybody remembers Tom Hanks' character more than Gina Davis, even though she had the classic character. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Madonna was kind of a, a bit character as part of the team. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell was in the movie as, as a bit part. Um, 
you know a lot of famous people in that movie if you if you go back yeah. and you look at the list of folks that were in that movie a lot of famous folks and it was based off of a true story on top of that i guess loosely based off of that the, the rockford peaches were a real team uh all of that stuff from the 1940s it, it was cool at the ending of that movie where you actually have the women from that team make an appearance in the movie uh as their uh, older character uh so yeah, I mean, just a great movie, but also Rocky is timeless. It's Classic. One, the one thing that I mentioned is that there's never been a league of their own two, three, four, five, or six. But Rocky spawned a, a ton of a, a ton sequels and and, yeah. and series, and then Creed spins off of it. Right. And yeah, be sure to check it out. Vote at Sports Call AU on Twitter. It's pinned to the top of our profile. A bit of breaking news here in the Auburn basketball world. We obviously saw over the weekend, Janai Broom has officially announced his commitment to transfer to Auburn, but Auburn has announced a preseason foreign tour to Israel. The Tigers are going to go to Israel this summer from July 31st to August 10th. They will play three games over the course of 10 days in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. They'll face the Israeli U-29 National team twice and then take on the Israeli senior national Olympic team on August 8th. Every four years, you could take a foreign trip with your team. Coach Bruce Pearl said, quote, these foreign trips have been one of the greatest teaching moments I have been a part of in 40 years of coaching college basketball. Israel has not been your typical destination for college basketball teams, yet Israel is one of the top two, three countries in the world in quality of competition and support for professional basketball. Aside from basketball, this is an educational experience for our players. We're going to be taking them to where Jesus was born in Jerusalem. Jerusalem and visit the city of David in Jerusalem and in Bethlehem as well from a historical and religious standpoint this is going to be one of the greatest trips in our student athletes lives I'm grateful to Auburn for its continued support of our foreign trips over the years and helping with our ministry and quote of course the NCAA allows college basketball teams to make international trips once every four years every four years you can go on these international trips Auburn last had one in Italy back in 2017 and and when you've got teams that turn over year by year by year by year by year, this is really big no. because you actually get a chance to play with one another against competition that's not yourself. So, so the one thing, I, I, can, I, I can almost feel Bruce Pearl's excitement through the words right there. But if anybody knows Bruce Pearl, they know how... Uh, how much of a devout, how devoutly Jewish he is. Yeah. He, he does a lot of support with the uh, the Jewish students uh, on campus. He is very outspoken uh, about his the, faith. About his faith, uh, and, and of course, going to Israel and taking the, uh, the, his team there and being able to teach them that that. Uh, I, I just I couldn't even imagine how excited Bruce Pearl is being of Jewish faith to be able to go to Israel and, and experience that with those players and teach that. Are you sure it's once in every four years? Because I swear Duke and Kentucky go overseas every year. <laughs> I swear. Uh, but yeah, with with the way college basketball is now, once in every four years, I mean, you're going to miss all kinds of players that are not going to be there for the last time. I mean, you can have cycle through two three four yeah. different starters at a position and and not have gone uh overseas so yeah it's a uh it's an opportunity that uh, i'm glad for auburn if 17 was the last time i guess they could have gone 21 so it took an extra year there um but uh yeah no i think uh i think it's good 
to always be able to uh, branch out a little bit. And you never know as well when another player will come out of a country. I know that it's not as likely to happen out of Israel, but um, you know some of those other countries produce um, great NBA players. And so you, you go to Italy or you go to Spain or somewhere like that. The, some guys are going to end up in the NBA. Some guys are gonna, you're going to find over there. But, uh, but also just other competition as well, as you said. And while it might not be a player that comes to Auburn from that, the other benefit of this, of course, is that Israel, as Bruce Pearl mentioned, one of the top two or three countries in terms of competition. Oftentimes when players go overseas because their dreams of not playing in the NBA uh, doesn't work out. I know Horace Spencer comes to mind, KT Herrera. Like Israel is a really, really popular spot for players to go play professionally uh, because they do have uh, one of the top tier professional programs and leagues that you could be a part of. And so for an Auburn team that maybe you're not NBA bound, well, guess what? You're going to get to see some other professional scouts that will be there. And that could lead to an opportunity to play basketball for a living one day. Yeah. I mean, uh, as you said, I mean, there's not, not everybody's going to make the NBA and you're, you're going to have guys that are pretty good college players that, end up making a decent amount of money overseas too uh i think oh it wasn't dunbar someone dangel purifoy won mvp of whatever league he was yeah. in. i don't remember what league it was was he in turkey it was something middle east i, I i'm not a hundred percent sure what league it was so i know that's that's uh that's bad on my part but whatever it was that came across my timeline that, that he won that league's mvp so they, they, they pay some pretty good money for American players to come over there because, uh, you know, America is the best basketball country by a good margin. And so even the guys that don't end up in the NBA or in the G League can still make good money if they're willing just to go through that language and cultural barrier of going to another country. But, yeah, they can have pretty good professional careers over there. That's why a lot of people like, you know, as you're saying, they're not the best players here in the States, but this is the it's best deep, country. Yeah, it's well, yeah, it's a deep country because, I mean, it's just like it, it's a, it's a it's the macro level of basketball. You're talking country by country. But if you're going micro level, you know, then you go to a Kentucky or a Duke. Well, the eighth best player on Duke is probably better than any player on a hundred teams out there in college basketball. Uh, and you can say that most years about any of the great teams. You know, if you were going through Kansas this year, won the national championship, their top bench player, Remy Martin, probably better than, you know, still 75% of the players in the country, probably better than just about any, anyone um, with, with a few exceptions, of course, but just about would be the best player on, on a lot of small conference teams. And so you take that and then you bring it up to the macro level. You're talking about still somebody that's top 20, you know, top eight or 80 percentile uh, of your own country's basketball players. Well, that's not good enough to make the NBA because obviously you only have a few hundred in the NBA, but 80th, 85th percentile of college basketball players in America are going to beat out most everybody else's 95th, 98th, 99th percentile. And therefore, you can uh, you can play professionally overseas. Daniel Purifoy currently playing in Portugal. Portugal for the there one and only 
Evangel Purifoy. All right, we've reached the end of hour number two of our program. Your phone calls are still welcome. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy, my name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books and we're rolling. hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go whether you're leaving work cruising around town or listening on demand we've still got some fun left for you to be part of the show give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. All right, we move on. It's the third and final hour of Sports Call here today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson sitting inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. Hope that you're doing well and hope that everyone had an awesome weekend. Glad to have Tom here with us as uh, we'll get set for our show recap here in just a moment. Tom, did you see that uh, they did a little NASCAR this morning? I did, did you not. see that? Our no! boy Chase Elliott won. Yeah. Okay. We, uh, it rained at Dover yesterday, right. so they had run 320 of the 400 laps today, so oh, they finished man. about 2 o'clock. Yeah, see, uh, being out of town uh, over the weekend, I, I got to watch Auburn baseball on Friday, which was, man. I, so I haven't really gotten a chance to talk about Auburn baseball. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I just wanted you to know that Chase Elliott won in Dover. Um, and we're Ryan tells about, me yeah. it's the Monster Mile, yeah. and I just needed good for Chase that Elliott. to be said. That's our I, I had no idea that they raced this morning because, like I said, I was out of the loop. But I, I kept up with Auburn baseball. Uh, I watched the game Friday on TV. And, uh, you know, Jason Caldwell said it. You know, that, that t- Tennessee is just the, one of the most physical teams. I I uh, it was just kind of crazy the way I was explaining to people about that game is like yeah in the seventh inning Auburn went up four to two they hit a home run they were yep. up four to two in the seventh they lost seventeen and to got four. blown out and lost seventeen to four and I was like yeah and they're like what and I'm like yeah they the very next inning they hit a grand slam they hit a three run homer and then the next inning they hit another two run homer it's like they just kept hit every time. Excuse me, every time I turned around and looked at that game Friday, Tennessee was hitting another home run. I'm like, oh, my gosh. They just keep hitting home runs. <laughs> it's, it's like, would you please stop? Um, but for Auburn to fight back, uh, this, so I, I happened to run into uh, quite a few of the players, uh, baseball players last night, Uh and had a chance to talk to several of them. And, and one of the things that, that we talked about, and I told them, is that, you know, how happy I was, how proud I was of them. And it, it seemed like, you know, everybody was proud of the fact that they didn't just give up after that Friday game. A lot of lesser teams, after having that happen to them, a lot of lesser teams would have packed it in, been intimidated, and just shut down. 
after you just get absolutely rocked over the last three innings of a game like that and and just blown out of your boots uh a lot of lesser teams would have been intimidated and would have backed down and would have just you know folded up shop and not been able to produce auburn comes back the next day on a saturday where they have really struggled throughout the season saturday games for whatever reason even when they've been winning series they've been winning the friday and sunday and losing and a lot of times losing really badly on saturday they didn't fold they fought and fought and fought and and bobby pierce comes up with a with a big time home run uh, right there late in the game, and then you get the pitching to shut them down, and you get a win at Tennessee. And we've always said it, and, and it has always been said, that in, in these baseball series, when you're on the road, just get one. It would be nice to win the series, yes. Even better to sweep a road series, but but ultimately you need to get one. You don't want to get swept on the road, and you want to win your series at home. The fact that Auburn got the one on Saturday was already a win. And then you get to Sunday, and I mean, right to the very end, Auburn is in this game, and, and they they were leading for a little while, and then they tied it up. And you know, unfortunately, uh, there was one pitch that was a kind of a tweener pitch that could have been called a strike three. That would have been the end of the inning, uh, from what I could, from what I was trying to keep track on Twitter. It seemed like it would have been the end of the inning. Uh, they Auburn did not get the call from the home plate umpire. It it could have gone a strike, could have been a ball. It was you know like I said a tweener pitch. They didn't get the call. The very next pitch, they hit a home run as they had done all weekend. Uh, hit a home run, took the lead, and then of course you bring a guy out there that's throwing 105 miles an hour. Uh, good luck, you know, hitting that. And and it's not. Uh, Casey Howell is one of the guys that I talked to. Uh, last night, and he, I asked him how legit that was. Like, you know, I, I'd seen 105. I was like, was this dude actually throwing 105, or is it more like 9900? And he's got a friendly home plate gun, or a friendly home uh, gun, registering that. He said, oh no. He's like, I, he's, I don't know if it was 105. He's like, it may have been 102 or 103. But either way, that, that dude was just insane. Um, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to time that up. Uh, I mean, by the time a ball that fast comes out of the hand, you've got to be ready to go. But then he starts breaking off, you know, darn near ninety mile an hour off speed stuff. So you're trying to sit there and time a hundred and five mile an hour fastball, and then all of a sudden he breaks one off on you at the speed that most people throw a fastball now he's throwing a slider especially in college too because i mean yeah. in the big leagues it's getting more common to throw 95 with right. your fastballs and stuff but in college you still see a lot of low 90s around 90 sure. uh so yeah absolutely you got a slider around 90 yeah. that's uh that's a lot and you know tom to your point about rebounding you know we were talking on the show on friday we were playing a little sports call more likely to happen uh and we were saying more likely auburn Get get swept or gets a, at least a game, and you know any other result. Right. And uh, Brooks was making a great point about uh, you know trying to win a a game early in the series because it, it just felt like if you lost those first couple games, you'd be so demoralized by Sunday that uh, you you wouldn't be able to have a great Sunday. But to their credit, they had a potentially very devastating moment on Friday because, well, you know, I mean, it's like I'm trying. I'm trying to think of another sports analogy to it. It's like if you t- 
kicked a field goal to take a lead late in the third quarter, and the other team scored forty-two straight points. Yeah. You know, to well, win they, the game. You know, they, they were they, in football. You you kick a field goal to take the lead. They returned the kickoff for a touchdown, and then a pick, pick six, six, and, and then, then another a, pick six, yeah, and then a three and out, and then and a three and out, and, and then, then another one or two play drive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be that to where it's so like, what, you know, what in the hell just happened right because, here? Because I mean, there's no part of seventeen to four. It seems competitive, but yeah. Auburn had a chance to win that game. So to come back a night after that being another close game. Sure. And I think more importantly for Auburn, I mean, there's a lot important to winning a game, but maybe even more importantly, they show they can compete with a team that not many teams can even compete with. They led or were tied in the late innings of every single game, which gives you the hope that whether Auburn hosts a regional or not, gives you hope in the SEC tournament that in in any one game, Auburn's not going to be out of it. Right. And uh, so that was a big series for a multitude of reasons. They're trying to host. They're trying to get national notoriety. But just to prove to yourselves and everyone else that's like the number one team in the country had to f- play their best oh, to yeah. beat us. Just, just in a series, not sweep us, just to win a series against us. And I think that also – so now Tennessee went overboard with with some of their antics. Caldwell mentioned it. I guess I'm assuming y'all mentioned it at the beginning of the show with the, the kind of the tense moments there in game two. Bobby Pierce hits a home run, he tosses the bat, and as Jason Caldwell alluded to out there, it's a turf field, so the bat bounced. I mean, it was almost like it, you know, hitting a rubber basketball court. As Caldwell mentioned, the the bat hits the ground and goes bouncing towards Tennessee's dugout. And then now uh, Tony Vitello gets the bat, walks towards home plate, and chucks it back at the Auburn bench. And that got things riled up. Suit. And, and there was a lot of jawing going on. That led to even more jawing going on. And then at the end of the uh, game uh, that Tennessee won on Sunday, they had a lot of things to say to Auburn's bench. But I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that that was two really good ball teams, and I think Tennessee realized that they had their hands full. And I think part of their emotions coming out, I don't want to defend. I I, I don't want to defend Tennessee on this because I think they were doing some things that were way over the top. But I think at the end of that series with them chirping like they were, I think a lot of it had to do with more of relief that they have just they just got pushed to the brink. And then their emotions came out, and you know when they finally got win. Now, are they jerks? Is Tony Vitello a jerk? Yeah, I think he is. I think he is a jerk, and I think they were doing some very jerkish things on the field. But I also think at the end of that, I think they felt relief that they actually got over, got past Auburn because Auburn is yeah. just that good and yeah, pushed them to the brink. They're not doing that with some piddly program that got beat sure. by eight runs all three nights. Right. We got to take our first break of hour number three of the program. Your phone call still welcome. Three three four eight eight. 3401. This is Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Follow us Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sports Call AU. As we said, we've got a big social media push right now for the great sports movie bracket challenge. We started with 64 movies, and thanks to you, yes, you the listener, you the social media follower, you have been voting on every single matchup. We've got the championship game, a league of their own versus Rocky, and we'll find out who the winner is on tomorrow's program. Also, uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're hoping that our buddy Justin Ferguson will be able to make a return back here to the studio. Got a couple of cool things lined up this week on the program. As we talk all things Auburn Athletics and the world of sports, you know that we've got a whole lot of Braves coverage as well. And uh, a, a tough weekend for the Atlanta Braves. Last week, guys, the Braves win their first series of the year. They win their first series of the year. They take two of three against the Chicago Cubs. They win Friday night against the Texas Rangers. Yes, the Braves have a two-game winning streak. And then the next thing you know, they uh, lose the next two games in that Texas series. I saw an ESPN metric that said the Braves have so far had the easiest schedule in Major League Baseball. If that wants to not make you How does feel that make better. you feel, Ryan? Not, not better. Uh, obviously, this team's going to take some time. They got to get Acuna uh, back 100% in the swing of things. And, you know, he's going to slowly ramp up. He's not going to play every single day. He's going to have some DHing spots. And they were talking on the broadcast a little bit about, you know, having played the field for his whole career. Being a DH is different. Um, I will say, you know, yes, it's for the big big boys that can't play in the field, but there's a certain art to something where you're not a part of the action for 45 minutes to an hour, right? And then all of a sudden you just come back and you come back up and you have three or four swings at it, and then you go sit there for another hour. And so that is something a young player like Acuna, who is used to making great plays in the outfield, running all over the place. You know, the, his DH assignments over the coming weeks when he's when they don't want him to play too many games in the field, uh, those could be trying for him. So, yeah, it, it's not a great start for the Braves. And, unfortunately, uh, they got a team uh, that's off to a wonderful start in the Mets Ooh, for yeah. four games in three days here. The Mets are already six clear of Atlanta. And I think that's what that could develop into the, the problem with a slow start for the Braves. It's not that they can't end up making the playoffs, winning 90 games, this, that, or the other thing. It's that this year – Unlike last year, the Mets have some real legs. Right. And unless they have a multitude of injuries, they've got the team to win 95 games, closing in on 100. And yeah. so you can't afford to wait 80 or 90 games to really hit your stride. The Braves will have to find that a little sooner than they did last year. Yeah, that, that was the thing with the Braves. They, yeah, they had their struggles last year, but so did everybody else in that division. And so the Braves were always kind of right there at it. But, yeah, the, the Mets have been playing great. Already had a no-hitter. Um, the first no-hitter of the year came from the Mets. Um, they've just been playing great baseball. Uh, the Braves, yeah, they got to get it figured out. It may be one of those another year where the Braves are going to have to use that trade deadline to to maybe do something else because right now it just doesn't – it's not getting done. Uh, some of the players that you expected to do big things this year are not getting it done. Uh, and obviously, like you mentioned, you got to try to get Acuna back full healthy and full into the mix of things but some of these other players they've just got to start stepping up their game a little bit and there's a lot of inconsistencies you know one game the the hitting will be there fine but your pitching lets you down and then you have the other games where you just can't seem to buy hit your pitching kind of keeps you in it but they just they they got to kind of 
they got to figure out some consistency there. But right now, it, it's not been good, and it just feels different than last year. Because last year they were struggling. And we were like, oh, you know, this team is so good, shouldn't be struggling like this. I don't know. It feels like this year's team are like they're, they're struggling. But I kind of saw it coming. Type it's, thing. It's not just the World Series from a year ago. This Atlanta Braves team has won four consecutive National League Eastern Division titles. They've right. been playing really good baseball over the last few years, and they have a humongous series. It's hard to say that at the beginning of April, uh, May, but it's their first time seeing the New York Mets, who are the top team in the division, and they're seeing them over the next couple of days. Let's go to our phone lines, 334-887-3401, or toll-free at one 888 9 to be a part of the program. Joining us now, Russell from Auburn. Russell now joins us here on the show. Hi, Russell. Yeah, so especially when you look at the worst team in baseball right now being the Cincinnati Reds, and I think they've won three games, and two of those were in that first series against the Braves. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good, um, especially when you see that they're they're not very good. Um, the Reds are, and it, it, to me, it's just, it's about pitching. I mean, it, and and I always preach this every year: pitching and defense. And right now, they're just they're not getting. Charlie Morton has not looked like himself. Um, you know, Max Reed has done okay. Um, I think you know he lost the game to the Reds and got beat up a little bit by somebody else. But then again, he shut the Dodgers down, you know, so he's kind of been hit or miss, and um, again, Charlie Morton, just he's not looked like himself from last year yet, and maybe it'll come along, hopefully it will. Um, Ian Anderson's been alright, but then after that, you know, there hadn't been a whole lot, and, um, you know, Kyle Wright, he, apparently, he's, or obviously he's done well in some starts, but it's got to be starting pitching right now is what I would be most worried about because the bats aren't all the way there yet. You know, Matt Olson has cooled off a little bit. Um, like you said, Acuna, is, it's going to take a minute for him. You know, nobody expects him to be a world beater right coming back from an injury like that. Um, one thing that could really help is if we could actually get a healthy Mike Soroka at some point in the season – um, I mean that's and that probably won't be but around the the trade deadline. So if they can get him back in the fold and doing what we know he's capable of, that's like a huge trade acquisition right there. Um, if they do let the Mets get away right now, then just making the playoffs is going to be what they're going to have to shoot for. Um, but again, anything can happen in baseball. I mean it, it's early. You know, um, yeah, it's not ideal to get way behind the Mets. Splitting the series would be great, I think, considering what all has been going on. Um, But, I mean, you know, the last two months of the season, August and September are where things are won and lost. So, you know, I'm not really panicking. I don't think that that Braves fans – should be panicking. It's 23 um, games out of 162, just to let people know. 23 games completed out of a 162-game schedule. And they were in a similar position as this last year. Now, y'all brought it up. It was different. Nobody was running away with the division. But, you know, this expanded playoffs now, it, it's a whole new new world. I mean, you don't have to be a division winner to win the World Series. 
Um, you just got to get in and get hot or be hot going in. And so, I mean, kind of like college baseball right now. I mean, yeah, Tennessee is blowing it out of the water, but if they have a bad series, you're gone, you know? And I thought that that was just so Bush League by their coach throwing that bat back at the players. I mean, that that guy, he's just – I just don't know. Just acting like a five-year-old. Yes, he flipped the bat, but he has no control over it rolling down towards their dugout. And for him to throw it back at our players, I mean, God, I wanted us for for so many reasons, but that being one of them to win that series yesterday. And for them to hang in, I just I love the grit on the team. Um, I think Auburn baseball has got a lot to be proud of and look forward to. Um, in you know, getting into SEC postseason play and whatnot. Um, really excited about them, and especially with what we didn't know really what they were going to be like this year. So Auburn baseball is really exciting. But Braves, I just you know, I'm kind of like y'all, just a little disappointed. Obviously, things could be better. We could be hitting the ball better, but we could really be pitching better. And that's disappointing to not have the starting pitching that we normally have because pitching defense is how you win baseball games. Yep. And if I've said it once, I've said it me and you'll hear me say it again. <laughs> pitching and defense. That's how you win major league baseball games. The defense has been there, but they have got to pitch better. And if if they can't, I mean the back in the bullpen is probably their best strength right now, but you got to get them a lead. <laughs> you know, I mean, Kelly Jansen can't win it if you're behind, right? So, so you got you got to have a lead going into those late innings. But anyway, I'm not panicking. I don't think anybody else should. Just stick with them, and and things will things will fall our way. I believe, um, unless we have a lot of injuries. But um, that's all I got. Guys. Let's go you get it done. Good to hear from you, Russell. We appreciate the call all today. Man. Thank you. Uh-huh. That's our buddy Russell from Auburn joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Pitching, pitching, pitching. And uh, I, I, for one, also uh, think about Mike Soroka from time to time because I love that guy. Yeah. And I'm really concerned, much like the Acuna scenario, right? It's going to take you a little bit to come back from an injury. Soroka's coming back from a couple of major injuries. Well, yeah. Uh, And then, with that being said... Uh, you, you know, you're just not guaranteed that you're going to get back to what he was. But I do want to remind people, he was the best pitcher the Braves had right. when they last saw him out there no. pitching. Yeah, no, I, I think that it's fair to say one day Mike Soroka will take a big league mound again. But to have any sort of expectations for what that will look like uh, would be short-sighted because two Achilles injuries yeah. – um, he he. There's a I would say a better than fifty percent chance he's never the same. I mean, it, it was a very good chance he's not what he was. Now, can he still be close and, and be a middle of the rotation guy? Maybe, but to ask, I love that he's trying that, to come back. Yeah, well, yeah, but to ask somebody that's not thrown in the big leagues, for, it'll probably be like three years since he will have pitched, or at least two, uh, off a couple of Achilles tears. Um, that, that's going to take some some real. I mean, I don't know. Fortune, honestly. Um, you know, to add to what Russell was talking about, uh, the pitching has not been good. I think the I think here's the two bright spots of the team. Okay. 
They're number hit, one. They're yeah, yeah, number <laughs> one. All right, they are hitting home runs. Now they're not doing other things well in offense. They're 21st in batting average. They're 18th in runs scored. So they're a below average offense in the in other metrics. But home run wise, they're actually tied for third in baseball with 28. So they're hitting wow. a, they're hitting a lot of solo home runs right, right now. By the way, home runs down across the league. The leaders, the Yankees and Blue Jays, have 31 homers in 23 games. You can kind of do the math, and that's and, not good. And, under, I, wow. and understand, yeah, oh yeah, there's plenty of teams below one a game. In fact, there's some teams below a half a game. Like Detroit has hit 10 and 21. Uh, well, some teams have hit 12 and 24. But, yeah, there's teams around half, a, half uh, one every two games. So home runs down across the league. But also, pitching-wise, I'll tell you the second good thing I will say, and so there's one good thing with hitting, hitting home runs. The good thing about pitching is I feel they have done a good job when they have close leads late. Now, they've not had many. But I feel like when they're able, when they've gotten to the seventh or eighth inning with a lead, I can't recall them blowing a game yet this year. Kenley's done a good job. He had one game where it was close. He had like a four-run lead, and it became a one or two-run game. I think against Cincinnati, actually, in the very first series. But he's closed his opportunities, and with the lead, I feel they've been good. They had one game in extra innings that they lost. Matt's it got hit the tenth. But I, I feel overall they've been good in close opportunities. Because people late. also worried about Will Smith going to a different role. No right. longer he's being the closer yeah, now going good. to the eighth. He, no quells with Will Smith thus far. But uh, as Russell alluded to, Team ERA here is not good. It's 23rd in Major League Baseball. So a reminder, 21st in batting average. So they don't hit for contact very well so far. 18th in runs scored. So not putting a lot of runs across the plate. 23rd in ERA. So of 30 re- teams in Major League right. Baseball. So really nothing about the true run scoring elements to your team other than home runs are even at the average 15th place level in Major League Baseball. So this team is, is really not doing a whole lot well. The power gives you the opportunity to start scoring runs in bunches if you can start hitting for a little more contact. Adam Duvall's hitting in the 190s. Swanson was in the 100s. I think he finally got to about 210, 215. Uh, Olsen and Ozuna have been slumping, but they're capable of better than what they've shown the last week or two. Uh, so, so they've got more production to be gained there. The pitching you do worry about, though, just because can Kyle Wright really keep doing this all year long, a 1 ERA? Um, you know, Freed has been fine. He's been normal. But, you know, is Charlie Morton maybe done? You know, you, you start to worry about that. Is Are they going to figure out a five spot? Because Moeller and Elder and Enoa back the first couple stars, they're all getting hit. They really don't have an answer for their five spot in the rotation. So there's some questions. I, I think they will, they will even out. They will get better over time. And I think they will eventually be very competitive and, and, and still have a decent season. But – if it takes as long as it did last year, they won't win the division because the Mets might be 10-12 up by the time they really start to figure it out this time. So, series like this, we talked about them. Very unfortunate to only win one out of three against Texas. You feel Texas ain't going to be very good this year. You know the Reds are not very good. You're already lamenting the fact you lost two against them. Uh, and, and the Cubs are a team. They did win that series. Cubs are another team that you don't expect to be very good. Now this team you expect to be pretty good, and you expect this to be your biggest competition in the division. So very important to split this series. You don't have to win it, and don't have to be, 
you know, 25 games in a season <laughs> talking about, well, they just can't, you know, they got to make up ground now. They, it's not like that. But Fire Snitker. But they need to get some balance to the team and they need to just start to steady themselves and, and, and just start to get some positive momentum here as we've really ticked off about a month here I mean, after the series. It, it, and it could have been waiting longer for Acuna to be back. The fact that he's yeah. already back, that's yep. a good thing that you can try and start. He was not to supposed to come back until after out. this series, till the homestand this coming weekend. So, yeah, uh, yeah we're big fans of that i'm thinking about last year when we were just kind of trying to figure out is freddie freeman going to continue to hit second in the order despite our request Rip. to hit him further down in the look, lineup look hot, this might be a hot take for some i still want to see ozzy albies hit second <laughs> yeah. i understand that he hit 30 home runs last year and that he does somehow in that smaller frame middle infielder have middle of the order pop but it's a chemistry thing and, and it would be the same thing Matt Olson, let's see how it plays out. But if Olson were to hit 280 or 290 this year and hit 35 home runs, will it feel the same as Freddie Freeman doing that? Like, will it be as impactful to your lineup? Will it be in the clutch moments? Will you feel steadied and confident knowing Matt Olson is in your lineup versus Freddie Freeman? And so, along that same line, does Ozzy Albies in the lineup just have more chemistry? when Acuna and Albies are next to each other. Because it always felt to me like when Acuna was leadoff and Albies was hitting right behind him, they just had that chemistry. Like Acuna's getting on base, and Albies knows when Acuna wants to run. He's going to take the right pitch, and he's going to find a way to get his best friend in. And, and so, uh, to me, that's just, it's one of those things where you can make statistical arguments for this spot in the lineup, this spot in the lineup, but it's just like a team chemistry or coherence to have Ozzy hit behind Ronald and so I know Ozzy's not off to a great start either I think he's hitting low 200s 210 220 but I'd really like to see him hit second that's a lot of speed at the top of the order and I just think the lineup would mesh pretty well I think we need to take a break and then on the other side of this break I think we need to prepare for our best and worst of the weekend a lot of fun straight ahead you're listening to Sports Call WTGZ Tiger 95.9 Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final few moments here of Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy. It's been a fun Monday show. Uh, A lot accomplished, a lot of good phone calls. Jason Caldwell stopped by. That was great. And uh, we're going to have a good show again tomorrow, too. Yeah, it's a wonderful way to start a week. I feel like this has been, it's been one of the better shows we've had. And <laughs> There's know, no doubt. There's no doubt. <laughs> All right, let's do our best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. Ryan LaVoy, I ask you, what was the best from the weekend? Um, Sports. Okay. They exist. Good answer. Uh, <laughs> um... I don't know. I, I I want 
I'll save the Auburn answers for you guys because I I was also paying attention to the other things. Uh, not that you guys weren't. That's not some criticism. I'm just saying you guys can take the obvious thing that happened in Knoxville or Auburn softball or the many great Auburn things. But uh, best of the weekend, NBA playoffs. Uh, you saw two championship caliber teams go and win tough game ones on the road yesterday. Uh we talk about home court advantage, home field advantage, and it is so important. But the Milwaukee Bucks, who are the reigning champions, and the Golden State Warriors, who won three times in a five-year span just a couple, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, they go and and show their championship medal and win game ones on the road. And uh, it's just great. It was great playoff basketball. I know the Celtics game wasn't necessarily close at the end, but. Um, just enjoying the NBA playoffs, uh, enjoying the fact that the NHL playoffs start tonight. So I know not everybody around here cares as much about the NBA and NHL, but uh, you know they're very intense playoffs. I, you, JJ, you know we've done an NBA talk show in college and had a blast with it. We love the sport very much. And so just best is just the fact that NBA and NHL playoffs are here. Yeah, a whole lot of fun with those. Best of the weekend. I'll take one of the Auburn things. Had a whole lot of fun uh, on the softball broadcast this weekend. A humongous series win over the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Friday's game wasn't as competitive as Saturday's, but the atmosphere both nights was incredible. And I got to share the broadcast booth on Saturday night with that man right there, Ryan LaVoy, joining me on the Auburn Sports Network call. That was the best of the week, and I had a whole lot of fun with you, buddy. Heck yeah. Now, <laughs> now I feel bad that wasn't my best of the week. It was my, yeah, yeah. It was my personal best so of the we, weekend. So we'll just share that and move on. Heck Tom, yeah. a best of the weekend for you. Uh, I, I got to go with Auburn baseball. Uh, as we've mentioned before, yeah, they didn't win that series over Tennessee. But just the, the well, you win one game at Tennessee, which is really what you need to do on the road against the number one team in the country, the team that has the best record through this part of the season in college baseball history, a team with multiple guys hitting double-digit home runs, a team with pitchers that are throwing 105 miles an hour, um, a team that I think most people didn't think anybody was going to be able to touch. Uh, Auburn touched them. Uh, won a game on Saturday, and then that Sunday game was right down to the end. And really, even the Friday game, even though they lost 17-4, to Auburn had the lead in the seventh inning, and then Tennessee just got stupid um, hitting home runs. But Auburn fought and fought and fought. They stayed in that game, or they stayed in that series when they could have given up, uh, got a win, and yeah, I mean, it's just it was impressive to see what Auburn was able to do with that. Let me, can I have a very uh, petty uh, one more best of the weekend here? Go for it. Uh, oh, I say go for it like I'm running this show. Go for it. <laughs> Famed AP college basketball voter. Oh, I saw this. Jesse Newell is no longer an AP college basketball pollster. That's great news. Ken Palm lost a valued soldier <laughs> yeah, right. into the AB basketball poll today. On to the NFL. But we'll yeah, try but, and find those ranks for but him. But you know the crazy thing is, that's not how you're supposed to vote in the AP poll. You're not supposed to vote on a predictive manner. But he actually turned up being kind of right. On the well, predi- Tom, you're not allowed to say that part. <laughs> We're <laughs> talking regular season, sir, and well, Auburn what, was getting 
losing shafted. spots for winning. They, sure, they were getting shafted early on, but he kept going off of that predictive. He was very thing. consistent. I mean, I, sure. I, I I'll say that. I mean, at but, least but, he was consistent. Yeah, at but. least he was consistent. But that's not how you're supposed to vote as an AP voter. You're supposed to vote on what is in front of you yep. at the moment. And at that moment, Auburn should have been ranked number one at least a week before. And he had him rank. Well, he never ranked them one, two, or no, three. No, yeah. I think the highest they got was like four. And right. the the first week Auburn became number one, I think they were about sixth yeah. in his bowl or seventh. So. But apparently he saw something that uh, – Nobody. No, else he saw. read computers, Tom. <laughs> Tom, give me a uh, worst of the weekend. Uh, worst of the weekend was that Auburn baseball game on Friday. Uh, man, yeah, that, when uh, they wh- scored fifteen runs in two innings, that was insane. That was stupid. That was insane. Well, when Auburn when Auburn uh, hit the home run to go ahead, we're all hooting and hollering and celebrating. It's like, oh my gosh. Auburn is in position to win the first game against Tennessee. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. They and scored then... 15 runs in two innings. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Ryan, yeah. a worst of the weekend. <laughs> well, it just happened for me again. Uh, late arriving news. Um, so, DeAndre Hopkins suspended by the National Football League today. Six games for performance-enhancing substances. No, this is not a rant on... <laughs> You can do all the steroids you want. Right. How come there's suspensions? No, it's not about that. Uh, Ian Horwitz of Pro Football Focus says, here's what DeAndre Hopkins tested positive for. Three separate types of anabolic steroids. Okay, just the run of stuff. And low-grade beaver tranquilizer, which I can barely say that. <laughs> but beaver tranquilizer why should you ever have to say beaver tranquilizer <laughs> i don't know and yet that's what he was i don't know how this is for. beneficial to you yeah that's silly this is not a good look for deandre hopkins i don't understand that one if someone knows what the effects of that are Please and how it can us. help you in a positive way uh but yet put beavers to sleep please let us know uh, worst of the weekend. Here we go. Here's your dumb crime uh, that I want to share with you. A Florida man, of course, uh, <laughs> yep. is in custody Understood. for allegedly trying to throw a live alligator onto the roof of a building. <laughs> I could just stop there, Tom. <laughs> a Florida man is in custody for allegedly trying to throw a live get alligator onto the roof of a building. William Hodge, 32 years old, was arrested around 3 a.m. last Thursday and charged with possessing and injuring an alligator, burglary, burglary of an unoccupied dwelling, criminal mischief, petty theft, according to the docket of his court case. The police chief in Daytona Beach asked William Hodge what he was doing when he was throwing the alligator up in the air and... William Hodge advised the officer that he was, quote, teaching it a lesson. Hodge (laughs) allegedly hopped the fence of the Congo River golf mini golf course in the area and stole a a live alligator from the enclosure on the course. We've been there! I didn't realize that. (laughs) Yeah, that's in uh, Clearwater. Yeah. He, uh, he then allegedly took the alligator to Med's Lounge as a bar and liquor store, grabbed it by the tail, and tried to throw it onto the roof. After only hitting the awning of the bar, he took it by the tail again, put it over his shoulder, threw it on the ground, and stomped on it twice. <laughs> when officers <laughs> made contact there, with Hodge, it. he put the creature down and raised his hand, surrendering to the police. While in the holding cell, Hodge allegedly balled up toilet paper and clogged the cell's toilet and drain in an attempt to flood the station and make his escape he was taken to valdosta or volusia county jail following uh his arrest and he continues to be there 
The alligator well, is alive, and it doesn't appear to have any injuries after the attack. It's an alligator. It I think is he's an alligator. Okay. Well, okay, you said Volusia County. Clearwater's in Pasco, uh, or no, Pinellas County. Um, so maybe it's not. Maybe it's different Congo River. Does it ever say this is in Clearwater? Or? No, it doesn't. Okay. Because I'm pretty, I'm pretty damn sure we've been there. That Congo River is the name of the putt putt place that uh, that we played at. Uh, he said he was doing it because he was trying to teach it a lesson. Teach the alligator. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, not you're, you're, to be here. you're looking, you're looking some type of way, boy. You better stop looking at me. Oh my god. That is, okay. Can for a wacky Wednesday? Here's an idea. Okay. Not this wacky Wednesday. We already got something planned. But just booking another Wednesday in May. All Florida man stories. <laughs> yeah. just, just, a, just a solid hour of people in That's Florida a good idea. doing just the dumbest crap that we have ever heard of in our entire lives. That is because a grand idea. I don't know what it is about the state. I like that state. I'm not hating on that state. I spend a decent amount of time in that state. But the most goofy stuff comes out of that state that is just unbelievable. That's a project I might put Tom PV on. I think that's a great idea. I can do that. Let's do our TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Nightly TV Guide here today on May 2nd, 2022. Our TV Guide. We've got the Stanley Cup playoffs. Boston at Carolina. 6 o'clock on ESPN. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 at 6 on FX. Dallas Buyers Club at 6 on Stars Encore. 610 tonight. Valley Sports Southeast. The Atlanta Braves. The New York Mets. And then a Stanley Cup playoff matchup tonight as well. 630 on ESPN. ESPN2, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Toronto Maple Leafs. All of that coming up tonight in your Stanley Cup playoffs. That's a look at our nightly TV guide. You want another crazy headline? Please. The Cincinnati Reds are so bad, a fan publicly laid out a plan to poop in the back in the bed of a truck that sits in the stadium during Friday's game. Amber Heard? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's terrific. That's terrific. Let's take – we can't take a break. The show's over. It it threw me off. That that threw me off so uh-huh. much, I forgot how to end this thing. <laughs> Tom, thank you for being here. We'll see you on Wednesday. You're welcome. Ryan, we'll see you later in the week as well. I will not steal an alligator, I swear. <laughs> yeah, I will not poop in the bed of the truck. That for today's <laughs> show. Thank you to Jason Caldwell for stopping by. For Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.